It's all about relationships. If you've been around Centerpoint the last few years, you've heard that phrase a lot. That's because it's at the heart of everything we do here. And God has used this simple statement to help us stay focused on three very important things. Loving God, loving each other, and reaching the hurting and lost world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We believe the Lord is challenging us to step up our devotion to Him. That's why we're beginning a two-year initiative that we're calling Devoted. Over the last nine years, Centerpoint has really allowed us to grow in our relationship with God, uh, grow in our relationship with others. I would have to say that prior to coming to Centerpoint, uh, we didn't know what a relationship with God was. Looking back now on the time that I've been at Centerpoint, I know now that God brought me there for a reason. He has taught me to how to have a personal relationship with Him. You know, Centerpoint has been so important in our life. It's changed so many uh, things in our life. Um, our walk is certainly stronger. Uh, walk with the Lord and, um, you know, if it can do that for us, we want to do that. We want to share that with other people. And uh, we're excited about um, what the future looks like for Centerpoint. Our devoted commitment means that it gives us another opportunity to uh, expand our faith and surrender uh, another part of our lives to the Lord. We are excited for Devoted because we know that God has great plans for Centerpoint Church, and we are excited to see it unfold. I am so excited about Devoted because we're not just giving to the church, we're giving into the kingdom of God. The Devoted Club means helping people and loving God. I'm going to be devoted to sharing the love of God to others. It means sticking with God and reading the Bible to love Jesus and be committed to Him. My devoted commitment means that I'm going to serve others and I'm going to be devoted to doing that. My devoted commitment means a lot to me because I want to tell somebody about Christ, of how much He means to me. Tithing is really one of the most important ways that I can worship God because I've been so blessed. Why wouldn't we want to give back to God so that other people could be impacted as much as we've been impacted because of what Centerpoint Fellowship has meant to us? We trust God with our protection, with our prayers. We also have to trust Him with our finances. And in our growth and walk with the Lord, we learned and had that realization that it's really not our money, it's His money. I really feel like God is challenging me to go above and beyond what I would typically do. And what I fully and firmly believe is that wherever God calls me to go, He's going to provide. I don't look at it as uh, contributing money to build a building. I look at it as contributing to building God's kingdom and to investing in our community and people. We're building towards the kingdom of God. That's, that's huge. I've, I've never thought about being a part of that, but it's exciting to me to think about that. I'm excited about the possibilities and our future. Let's do this. Let's be devoted together. When we put that video together last year, we were beginning a two-year initiative. We're getting close to the halfway point of it come November here, a month from now. And I want to tell you, because of your faithfulness, we're proceeding on. One of the goals of that initiative was that we would uh, be able to begin construction on a permanent facility here. So instead of just renting this hotel for four hours a week, we could use something all week long. 
And that's already started on McQueen Smith Road. And I hope every time you drive past there, you will be uh, uh, praying for that because that's uh, come next December, a year from now, uh, in December, uh, at the end of the year or beginning of January, we hope to be in that facility. And we want to use it all the time. But it's the, uh, the idea is that we'll be able to use it seven days a week for whatever God calls us to do. And one of the things he calls us to do is to be devoted to his mission of making disciples all around the world. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, hey, we're devoted to following Christ. We're devoted to being the church. And today I want to remind us that we are devoted to God's mission. And I have two gentlemen here joining me today. Uh, Ken Austin is with uh, Mercy House and New Walk of Life Church in West Montgomery. And Jeff McFarland is with uh, Trek International, a ministry that works with people uh, in uh, Nepal and in Cuba. And today you're going to hear from them because they're mission partners. In fact, on the handout you received today, and if you're joining us online, you can find a list of all of our missions partners that are both local and global because we want to be involved with what God is doing here and with God, wherever God is sending people uh, to spread the gospel, we want to partner with folks and you're going to hear from two of them today. I'm going to pray for our time together and ask God to open our eyes because, y'all, during a time of COVID, we can be so concerned about our own health and our own safety and our own family, and those are important concerns that we can sometimes lose track of the fact that there are people all around the world who still need hope, who still need Jesus, and who still need our help. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that today you will, in the midst of all the things going on in the world, you'll remind us that you are still at work. In amazing ways, in parts of the world, we may never have traveled. And so open our eyes today. I pray that you'll speak and move us all out of the way, and that you use Jeff and Ken to remind us of your great love for people that we dare not ever forget. You don't, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask that you would bless this day. Challenge us. Open our eyes to things we need to know. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, Jeff, I'll start with you. What is Trek International? Trek International is a missions organization that my wife Trudy and I uh, founded in 2004. And we find international pastors and church planners who are committed to the gospel and planning churches. And, and our organization comes in and undergirds them and supports them. And so Trek stands for Teach, Reach, Equip, and Comfort. So our, our teaching, we bring in pastors from the United States. We do pastors training, evangelism training. Uh, we reach, we bring our evangelism teams in from the, from the United States, churches like you guys. Just in, in March of this year, right before the airports closed down, you had a team with us in Cuba. And uh, we got to see a lot of people come to Jesus. So we, we uh, offer evangelism training here and also in uh, reaching out in the countries we're working in. Our equipping, the E, is we develop small businesses for our pastors and our church planners where they're not dependent on American dollars for survival. Uh, we give them a business and teach them business principles. And so we're always looking for, uh, for entrepreneurs here in the States to go and help us be creative in starting small businesses. And the comfort, the C uh, in Trek, is to, uh, is to meet the needs of people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus as we uh, rebuild homes after disaster or give out 
clothing or food or whatever we can do to, to show the, the love and the, and the grace of Jesus. And so we've uh, started that in 2004. Uh, we've been working uh, with uh, Nepali-speaking people since, since then. Uh, but three years ago, we started our work in Cuba and seeing God do some neat things there. And Jeff, when I was talking to you on the phone about this, you used a phrase or a little expression, and I guess it's just part of your ministry, that grace softens the heart. It does. Yeah, and, and that's really what the whole idea of bringing comfort there, that when that opens the door for all kinds of ministry, right? It does. It does. That's great. Ken, uh, tell us a little bit about Mercy House and New Walk of Life Church. Yeah, Jeff just told the story. You know, we all in hard places trying to teach people how to fish. You know, we're in a hard part of Montgomery per capita in the United States to Washington Park. You know, and this, you'll be surprised, it's one of the lowest per capita income places in the United States. And had a lot of broken homes, a lot of broken families, a lot of people there who, you know, off the grid. And with the gospel, we're going back into that place and not just trying to give bread. And as you were teaching and training and all those things we're trying to do in the hard part with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So mercy, we do it through mercy. We do it through the mercy house. We do it through love and with kindness. And we feel strongly that that's how God is drawing people in that part of the community. And that's what we do. The mercy house is an arm of a church. Is a place where we feel God has given us to carry the gospel. It's a tool. You know, we couldn't get in the house sometime without bread. And we could not talk to them when they didn't have the computer helping with homework. And all those different things we're able to do to shed, share the gospel in a hard part. Yeah, and so we've even seen some pictures while you're talking. You guys have a food pantry, a clothes closet. You provide washers and dryers for homeless people to come wash their clothes. Um, hot meals. Yes. Uh, like even you even give bags of groceries to people like those are non-perishables right every tool that we can use to get the gospel out but we certainly have food bags we we've served food to about 70 families a week we have a computer lab where we do homework help you know have a business center in there like a kinko's you know inside of a house there where uh, people who may not have online services can come in and get online and take care of business kids can do homework all those different tools that we have that we can share the gospel, and that's what we do. And so, again, I wanted you guys to hear two different guys focused in two different parts of the world, different types of ministry that God has called them to. And, Jeff, let's talk about that a little bit. How did you get involved with this? I mean, you didn't grow up in Nepal or in Cuba. And so how did how'd you get involved with Trek International? Trek International was, was birthed out of a mission to India. Uh, Trudy and I were invited to go with an organization called Epic International, and, and we went for two weeks, and the Lord used that mission to turn our lives upside down. And, and I remember growing up as a boy and loving when the missionaries would come to the church and love when they would share those, those stories, those God stories that only he can do. And something clicked in our lives after that mission to India that we were tired of hearing everybody else's stories. And God challenged us. It's like, I've got a call on your life to go and, and be a part of missions full time. And so six months later, we resigned our, our position on staff at a church. And we were living in Calcutta, India, uh, drinking out of a fire hydrant there. So uh, 
But it, and we've seen God do more in the last 15 years of our lives as we've been committed to missions and committed to the gospel. And there's nothing like seeing lives change. And the gospel still works. It still changes lives. Yeah, and so when we're even talking about the part of the world that you're talking about, like Nepal, when I think of Nepal, I think of Mount Everest. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, we're 300 miles. We work 300 miles from Mount Everest. And so some of the pictures we've seen here with you, I mean, you guys, I mean, talk about trek. I mean, you literally trek to some villages out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you're telling them about Jesus yeah. and starting churches. Yes. It's an amazing call on your life. And then Cuba opened up three years ago. Okay, so Ken, how about you? I mean, you're not originally even from Montgomery. So how did you get to doing a ministry for people in Washington Park on the west side of Montgomery? Yeah, I always think that God made me for this. You know, I grew up, probably our family would have been a part of Centerpoint. You know, my dad was that part of the greatest generation. Went off the war, came home, married a girl, had children, you know, worked and took care of themselves. And uh, just a beautiful, intact family. You know, we was not rich, but we was able to provide. My dad worked, and we had a home and all those things. And I remember March the 6th, 1972, uh, Monday after school, my mom went to a revival that night. We lived in Mobile. She went to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And at that revival, my mom had a heart attack and didn't come home. She died there. And, and even now, my dad lived 37 years after that and, and uh, never talked about that night. But he, he drove home that night from, from Hattiesburg by himself, came back and raised his children. And, but Ken was a 13-year-old boy at that time. And that Monday I went to school, my mom had my lunch packed, my clothes was ironed, my homework was checked. When I went back to school after my mom passed away, I didn't have my lunch pack. <laughs> I didn't have my homework. I, the dog ate my homework, I told my teacher. All those excuses I was able to make because I was not prepared. And so I felt that God would just, I look back on me and I see myself in that community. People having lives they didn't ask for. You know, all of those children living in those places didn't raise their hands to be in that broken family and then raise their hands to be in poverty. And God just put that on me. And so when I could see myself, no, he put that in my heart to go back in there and to serve that. Hmm. And so, uh, again, when you're, you actually spent some time in the Air Force yourself, yes. and that's what brought you to Montgomery. Yes, I was, I, I literally left home after high school, you know, doing nothing. Dad said, you got to do something. I went to South Carolina for the weekend, stayed five years, you know, married a girl. <laughs> I, met, I got to South Carolina first day, first weekend I was there, I went to church like Centerpoint, and, and there was a girl who was watching the door, and my eyes met. And uh, that five weekends, last five years, I went to school there, and my wife went to college. Now, at the college, we joined the Air Force, you know, I thought we'd see the world and come back to South Carolina and live. And I joined the Air Force, I got married May 83. I joined the Air Force October 3rd. Yesterday was my anniversary date for the Air Force. I joined the Air Force May 3rd, 1983, and the Air Force gave me direct orders to come back home. And I, went, I came here kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be in Montgomery. I didn't want to come back to Alabama, but the Lord had a purpose and a plan that I would be right outside on Air Base Boulevard, right behind where my church is right now. Hmm. And we've been there Every anniversary we've had in West Montgomery, we've been married now for 37 years. 
every anniversary, all of our children was born right there in that community and God in his own plan purposed that. That's great. So we're in the middle of COVID and all of us have had to put on masks and sometimes you get out of your car and you get to the door, you're going into a restaurant or say, oh, I gotta get my mask on or things. Well, we've been inconvenienced and some of us it's been beyond inconvenience. It's really, we had to work from home, put a lot of stress on us or things. But it's not just us. I mean, the people in Nepal and in Cuba, COVID's impacted them too, right, Jeff? Can you tell us about that? Because help us understand how this is impacting people in other parts of the world. It's had a tremendous impact. Um, Cuba and Nepal are dependent on tourism dollars. And so since March, when the airport shut down, the, the income revenue stopped. And people are literally starving. They're hungry. They're doing without food. Our, our, our people, the, we have brothers and sisters in Christ and people that don't know Christ that are literally doing without food in Cuba and Nepal so their children can eat. Uh, and they're hopeless. And in Nepal, here's some numbers. Since March, they have given a report of 200 people who died from COVID. But over 1,200 people in Nepal have committed suicide since March. They're, they're hopeless and they're afraid and they're scared. Uh, and so it is having a tremendous impact. Uh, and it is a matter of, of life and death. I look at my own life and you know what? My, my schedule's been inconvenienced, but I'm still eating. And so the, the people there, people on the west side of town, it's, uh, I mean, people are hungry. And it's the same for the people in Cuba as well? Correct, yes. Yes, I mean, uh, I mean I'm, I'm talking to people that are asking, you know, we, we, we need food. And uh, so, yes. And Ken, how has COVID-19, how has that impacted uh, the ministry you do for the people uh, through Mercy House, and, uh, and how's it impacted the people who live in West Montgomery? Well, Washington Park is, like I said, is one of the poorest per capita communities in Montgomery, in, in the United States. Uh, most families work in the area of minimum wage income, trying to provide for a family. When COVID-19 happened, when those jobs closed, two paychecks shattered that whole world. I mean, a family already struggling to provide for themselves. And now that minimum wage income is taken out of that house and they can never catch back up. You know, light bill, power bills, most of them would be evicted had the government not put the stay on keeping them into homes. All of that fall back into our laps. We served, we had a number, uh, last year, August, we served hot meals every day. Last year, August, we served, said 380 plus families or people last year. This year, August, the numbers was 2,500. It tripled in just from August to August. And, and the need in that community has multiplied. You know, children out of school all day. You remember kids went from school for March and then go back for spring break? Those kids for spring break normally eat at the Mercy House. That never stopped because spring break did end, and has not end. So each day they come to the Mercy House for lunch, they come to the Mercy House for the snacks and the food they normally would get in the schools. All of those things the Mercy House is providing in a really, really hard place in the hardest part of Montgomery. Hmm. 
in Second uh, Timothy four two, uh, Paul wrote these words. He said, "Preach the word of God and be prepared, whether the time's favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching." And um, when Paul wrote those words, you know, sometimes we don't think about it, but when times are favorable or not, well, this might be one of those times when it's not so favorable. I mean, when we have to socially distance, when it's hard to get somewhere, uh, things, but. I guess I was really encouraged when I talked to both of you guys about your ministry. Uh, even though COVID-19 restrictions apply to y'all just like everybody else and to the people you minister to, ministry didn't stop. And Jeff, could you talk to us a little bit about the mindset of the people in Nepal and in Cuba when it comes to doing ministry, whether it's favorable or not? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to tread lightly here. Uh, and I'm going to try not to stand up because if I stand up, I'll get preachy. Okay, so uh, um, <laughs> go ahead. Um, it's Sunday. Yeah, the the men and the women that, that Trudy and I had the privilege of of working with and partnering with pre-COVID sacrificed their life every day for the gospel. They have governments in Nepal, governments in Cuba that are against the church. They're against Christ. And they do everything in their power to shut the work of the, of the church down, to stop the gospel. Uh, one of our, our partners in Nepal has been put in prison three times for preaching the gospel. And he looked at it as a perfect opportunity to preach the gospel in prison. And they actually kicked him out of prison for preaching the gospel in prison. <laughs> so when COVID came, they just keep going. COVID's nothing compared to being put in prison. And I remember the, this, this little church planner named Jewin said, Brother, the gospel is worth dying for. Hmm. But the gospel is also worth living for. Hmm. And in America, we have this mindset and this mentality that we have to be safe. And I don't believe anywhere in Scripture he says we would be safe. He said he would be with us. And so in these days, it's not a time to retreat. It's not a time to sit back. It's not a time to stay in our homes and be, be afraid. It's a time to advance the gospel. It's not time to be safe. We need to be wise. I'm not saying be careless. Be wise. But God has called the church for a time such as this. He has called us to shine brightest when it's the darkest. So let's get the word safe out of our vocabulary and let's advance the gospel. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's writing a letter to a young pastor who's being persecuted. They're killing Christians, and he's afraid. He's in the, in the safety of a church environment. And Paul says, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. And I think 
now more than ever, we as the church have this awesome opportunity to advance the gospel. And we're, we're seeing, seeing that happen all around the world. And Ken, how about you? I mean, when uh, COVID hit, you guys had to put on gloves and masks the whole nine yards to do stuff, but you couldn't stop serving those kids. No, retreat was not one of the worries we had in our vocabulary. We knew we had to charge. You know, we knew we had to go full speed ahead. And uh, we got gas. We, I remember that week, that Sunday, you know, we, Monday was going to be new orders. Everything was changing. We had to start with new the pandemic rules and regulations, all those things. That Sunday evening, I called Friendship Mission, Salvation Army, those guys who served with me on the ground. I said, we got to figure out a way that we can best serve. <laughs> we can't go back. We got to go forward. And so we started a conference call that morning, and that conference call has grown to over 200 people out of that conference call throughout the river regions, people coming together, making best practices. The governor is on there, the mayor, the uh, City Council from Prattville, the Mayor Pike Road. I mean, so many people just coming together. We knew we had to go forward. And, and even, I talked to you, we, had to, we talked Friday, and Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. That evening, I found out that one of the people that served at the Mercy House, you know, had found out Friday, Saturday they had COVID. They tested positive. So what we had to do, all my staff was working with that person, so I had to give all the staff off. I called yesterday. You can't come in until you go get tested. And what we do, we, I knew we got 120 people waiting to eat tomorrow. And I call a friend of mine. I call Kara Rickard. Kara serves on my board. And, and we got together yesterday planning to feed tomorrow and Tuesday, you know, just trying to make shift, make do, moving ahead, going forward. There's no retreating. We have to figure out where we are, how to serve safe, but we, it's no retreat. We can't retreat. We have to go forward. Hmm. So if we are going to, as we're here this morning, how do we pray for you? How do we get involved in your ministry? I mean, Jeff, tell us how you, we could get involved with Trek International. If somebody really, if you really piqued their interest or God spoke to them today about getting involved with you, how does somebody do it? What do we pray for for you? There's... Uh, Three different ways to be involved with Trek. Uh, to give, to pray, and to go. Uh, giving. Uh, we, we have to have dollars for what we do, and, and Center Point Church is very generous and has been very generous to, to our organization, to our mission work. Uh, in, in Cuba, this month, you guys were able to buy a a, a tractor for one of our pastors there. And so there's a farm that's, that and they're not just saying we don't have food, they're doing something about it. So they're, they're uh, starting a pig farm and a, and a vegetable agricultural system. And you guys were able to, uh, to buy a tractor to help that happen. And so people are going to receive food and the gospel and lives are going to be changed. So your mission dollars are very important. Praying. It's very essential. Uh, Nepal and Cuba, I call front lines type of uh, mentality. West Montgomery is a front lines type of mentality. And there has to be spiritual warfare, intercession going on, uh, praying against the, the spiritual forces that hold people captive. 
So we ask you to, to pray for the work that's going on there. I, I ask you, how can you pray? Pray for our pastors and our church planners and, and the brothers and sisters in Christ in these areas of the world that Satan is trying to get them to quit. Pray that they wouldn't grow weary in doing good, for in due season they'll reap a great harvest if they don't quit. That they keep pressing on and they, they keep sharing the gospel. Yeah, and Jeff, would you say one other word real quick? I know you believe so strongly in taking people on mission trips. When you tell us that people are in need, what if somebody said to you, well, why don't we just give them money and we all stay home? Wouldn't that be enough? That's a softball. Yeah. <laughs> you just put it on the date, didn't you, brother? Yeah, and I'm going to stand up. <laughs> Listen, church, money will not change a heart. Only the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ will change a heart. And when, when you as a church invest in missions and when you as a church go on missions, it not only changes people in the countries and the places you, you work, it changes us. changes us. And it changes our perspective. And this life is not about the American dream. This life, is, as followers of Christ, is about the Great Commission. And God can use simple, ordinary people like me and you, and he can change the world. And it radically impacts our lives. And uh, so I, that's one of the things we love to do is get people to go. Uh, March, a team from Centerpoint was in Cuba. And I watched it change their life. And it's impacting people here in the river region because they went. Mm -hmm. And Ken, it was interesting when I posed the same question to you, you quoted this verse to me. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. The Lord is speaking to his people there. But Ken, you said that's a big part of what you do, that even if you hand out bread but you don't hand them the gospel, it's not enough. Could you comment on that? And, and I'm so grateful for this church. You know, if this church moved out of the way and all of the resources we got came from the government, the gospel wouldn't go. If what you're doing here would not empower us, we would have to take the bread from the government with all the restrictions, and that would never save a soul. That would never have any eternal gain. And I couldn't do this work without the gospel. I could never walk into those dark places. I got a call this morning, 6 o'clock. person in that community was shot and killed. I was on call. I've been called in the middle of the night, and, and your pastor prayed with me and counseled with me, walk into homes where people commit suicide, all kinds of hurtful and hard things. I could not do this without the gospel. So if we allow the government to rock this poverty this pandemic and feed those kids and feed those community, they would never see Jesus. And if the church don't get behind these type of effort, this effort, you know, we are, we was neighbors, didn't even know until we sitting here, live around the corner from each other, you know, for years. And I'm just, but we don't get behind what God is doing. If the church would not roll its lead up and be what God is, our purpose, the church to be in the world, the government's going to do it. And we're going to see more of the same. 
We're going to see more of the same. The church is the answer that God purposed for this. The church is God's hand and feet in the world. And that's what we have to do. And I believe that with all my heart. John, can I say one other thing? I, I don't even want to try to stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want you to try and get your picture, uh, get, get this, your head wrapped around this picture. What will it say to a country or to community? And, and one of the most dangerous times and one of the most people are more scared than any that you as a church are going. You know what it screams? It screams we love you. It screams Jesus loves you. It screams passion. And, and I'll tell you what, the loss will respond to that. Uh, ought to be standing in line waiting to go to be a part of, of, of missions of what God has called us to do. And, and I'm going to walk out with the mic and say this. <laughs> I was at a restaurant. I was at a place in the community Friday. One of the known drug dealers was in front of me ordering breakfast. Mm. He said, Pastor Austin, I'm going to pay for your food. He said, I appreciate what you're doing in the community. And I just said to God be the glory. And I know we are making eternal gains. I don't know what God is doing in his heart. But for him to say, I'm going to get in front of you. And he said, Pastor Austin, I'm going to pay for your food. And I just know God is doing something greater than we can ever, ever measure with these seeds that we're planting. Thank you. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for these two men. I want to thank you for placing a calling on their lives. But, Lord, each of them has reminded us that you've placed a calling on all of our lives. That's why I wanted them here today. Lord, we're working on a facility where we can meet. We're building a facility where we can use all week long. And that's great. But, Lord, if we devote a facility to you, but the people inside the facility aren't devoted, what good is it? We want to be devoted to being your church. We want to be devoted to carrying out your mission. And so, Lord, remind us again that you're always with us. Make us wise, but help us fight the tendency to always try to be safe. I don't know if it's possible to be safe and share the gospel adequately in a world that's lost. Lord, our safety is in you. So, Lord, we ask you to bless their ministries. Grant them favor. Grant them protection. Give them abundant wisdom so they can carry out the mission you've called them to. They can't go back. You don't want us to go back. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity we've had to receive a challenge today from brothers in Christ. Allow us to receive it joyfully. In the name of Jesus, amen.